I have to be. I can't not be. It is running, you said? Yes. Okay, all right. You guys are sitting. I'm going to do the same. Uh, And I may have to move around a little bit. Uh, I I did preach last Sunday in Chester. And I was standing at the lectern. And I had a a, a bottle of water sitting behind me over at the chair that I was sitting in. So as we were in the middle of a song, uh, I turned to go get the bottle of water and realized that my foot was no longer there. And, and so as, and you could hardly tell it. I knew it because I felt like a tree going down, but I just sort of went like that and I caught myself before I fell. But uh, we made it, you know, and uh, we're going to make it again today too. Uh, I've, I've preached in circumstances... They were pretty dire at times, I guess you could say. This this one is uh, this is a challenge, but God's going to see us through. And so, in answer to my daughter, I have to do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway. Just before you move, assess whether your feet are. Actually... No, it, it's okay. okay. It's <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Hold me. <laughs> No, as long as I'm, I'm as long as I can just move around, it, the, the, most of the, the the byproduct of the pain is in my leg and in my foot. The majority of the pain is literally right up in here. So, uh, as long as I can just move around and slide, I think I'll be okay. But thanks, Kim. Uh, before we get started, <clears throat> let's uh, let's go to God in prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the beauty of this day. Spring is here. And uh, you, the great creator of all things, uh, have gotten us through another winter. Uh, It's still a little cool at times, and yet at at the same time, Lord, we see that the blossoms on the trees, we know that spring is coming, and uh, that we're in the throes of it even at this moment. And uh, we just thank you. We thank you for how you have provided for us, how you continue to provide for us each and every day. Uh, Thank you for our youth that are willing to be able to to come up and, and give a children's sermon and, and thank you for even our smaller children. I am so grateful, Lord, that we have a strong youth base in this church. And so would you just bless us to that end? Would you bless them in the days ahead and bless our small ones as they grow that we might truly raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? But now, Father, would you just be with us as we worship you through hearing your word. Uh, Again, may these words come from you and not from me. May your spirit be with us as as we hear what you have to say to us today. Bless us to that end, we ask, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, when y'all stand up, get ready for a long one. You may take your your drink with you because it's going to be a while. Stand with me if you will. This is Proverbs, uh, we're looking at Proverbs 8, verses 12 through 36. Yes, you heard that right, 12 through 36. Hear now the word of God. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. 
I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By my king, by me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the, the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of His work and the first of His acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he made the earth with his fields or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep. When he made from the skies above. When he established the fountains of the deep. When he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the children of man. Now, O now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching the daily at my gates, watching beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. The grass withers, the flowers fade away, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Y'all may be seated. You deserve it. Okay, again, it is good to see everyone this morning. It's a very interesting uh, passage here, even as long as it is. It's an interesting start to our reading this morning. I, wisdom. And for the next several verses, we see the attributes of wisdom. In fact, it appears the attributes of wisdom will cover our entire reading for this morning. So then let's look at wisdom for a few minutes today. Despite the obvious differences in in theology, philosophy, and practice among Christians, there is one discernible thread that runs through them all. Some may disagree with that statement, and as as some believe that it doesn't matter what we believe, they're the only ones who are right anyway, so it doesn't really matter what we think. Ours is wrong and theirs is right. Except for those folks, let's say there is a thread that runs through most others who believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That one common thread is wisdom. In our last sermon, as well as today... We see that wisdom has become a person and cries out to us. Wisdom's call is contrasted to the call of the immoral woman of Proverbs chapter 7. Wisdom is portrayed as a woman who guides us and makes us succeed. Wisdom was present at creation and works with the Creator closely. 
God approves of those who listen to wisdom's counsel. Conversely, those who hate wisdom love death. That is a bold, strong statement, isn't it? Have you ever thought about it that way? Have you ever looked at wisdom in one capacity? And if you did not love wisdom, you loved death? I mean, that is, that is very strong. And yet, look at, look at Jesus. Look at our Lord and Savior. Do we have a gray area with Him at all? No. There, it's totally black and white. You cannot sit on the fence when it comes to Jesus. Wisdom, He is saying, is the same way. And there's a reason for that we'll look at a little bit later. Wisdom should affect every aspect of our life from beginning to end. Be sure you open all corners of your life to God's direction and guidance. Seek Him constantly. Listen to the wisdom that we gain from the Scriptures. Look at where we can receive wisdom. Wisdom calls, first, from the high hill so that we may hear. Second, beside the path that we all travel. Third, from the gates of the city that we all go through. And fourth, from the doorways that we all enter. That's that's just a brief synopsis from our study in verses 1 through 11. Here in 12 through 22, wisdom speaks for herself. We're going to split this up into two sections here. I'd like to present an alternative translation for for this section, though. This is, I don't know if any of you all have ever heard of the New Century version of the Bible. It is actually designed for uh, folks who, have, who are challenged in, uh, with, with their thinking and all. Um, it, it's a very simple description of the Word. And I find this, in this particular instance especially, very appealing. Here, here it says, I am wisdom and I am smart. I also have knowledge and good sense. If you respect the Lord, you will also hate evil. I hate pride and bragging, evil ways and lies. I have good sense and advice and I have understanding and power. I help kings to govern and rulers to make fair laws. Princes use me to lead and so do all important people who judge fairly. I love those who love me. And those who seek me, find me. Riches and honor are mine to give. So are wealth and lasting success. What I give is better than the finest gold, better than the purest silver. I do what is right and follow the path of justice. I give wealth to those who love me, filling their houses with treasures. That's verses 12 through 21 of chapter 8. We heard it even from the English standard, um, in in a little bit different way. But I thought this was very starkly clear, in in my opinion, this particular passage. But from this passage, we find, number one, wisdom gives men good minds. They dwell with prudence, find knowledge and discretion. Number two, wisdom gives men good hearts. They dwell in the fear of the Lord. They, They hate all sin. Pride, arrogance, and the way of evil. They stay away from lies and a perverse mouth. Number three, wisdom gives men well-governed societies. They're wonderful counselors and rule with justice. Number four, wisdom gives men 
true happiness. They're satisfied with the riches of God. The things of this world may fill men's bellies, but not their spiritual bank accounts. I like that thought too. Wisdom promises believers goods laid up, not for days and years, but for eternity. Her fruit is better than gold, it is said. Jesus said this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Furthermore, there's a redemptive wisdom to be found in Christianity if one has an ear to hear. There's an ennobling beauty to be seen if one has an eye to see it. And yet not everyone is prepared to hear or to see. Seed can be sown, but not everyone is going to be fertile soil for the seed of divine wisdom which the sower sows, whoever that sower might be. Not everyone is receptive, but to those so blessed, there is wisdom to be gained, happiness to be experienced. The teachings of Christ are are capable of regenerating the hardened heart and bringing new life to those whose path has been darkened by sin and despair. Test and then decide for yourself. Observe the fruit that's been brought forth from the seed of wisdom found in Christ's teachings. Good seed planted in fertile soil brings forth the fruits of love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. All springing from the fountainhead of wisdom, the Word of God. Our spiritual fruit is found here in this wisdom. Not all who claim to be Christian in heart, mind, and spirit offer their various teachings without cost to the human soul. Some persons who claim to be Christian are not. Some who claim to be Christian are manipulative. Some are self-seeking. And some are just ignorant. You can distinguish the difference between persons who are truly followers of Christ and those who are false. By carefully examining the fruit of their teachings, their beliefs, and their actions. Doesn't that make so much sense? You can tell a true Christian by who they are. By what they do. By how you you perceive them to be. The one who holds the mirror to the lost image of God within you and who seeks to liberate rather than shackle, this is the true Christian. Christ lives within that person, and it is obvious. This is not something that that just you hope to see. This is something that just oozes from this person. No matter what they're doing, no matter what they're thinking, no matter what they're trying to do in life. Look at Proverbs 2.6. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. I want to bore you with a little bit of Greek and Hebrew here for just a second. There'll be a test at the end of the the sermon. Nobody laughed. At least that's funny. I mean, come on. You awake? 
It is just warm enough in here, isn't it? Yeah. And if I start talking in this kind of even keel voice, then it just might, we all might just go to sleep. Listen to this. Here's your Greek and Hebrew for the day, for the week, for the month, maybe even the year. I don't know. The Hebrew word for knowledge is dath, D-A-A-T-H. Sounds a lot like death, but it's not. It's got two A's instead of an E-A. In the Greek, it is epignosis. All right? The definition here is the ability to mark and observe with a purpose. The extraction of meaning out of facts or information. Proverbs 18.15 states that an intelligent heart acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Look at the word understanding. Hebrew word is tebuna, T-E-B-U-N-A-H. Kim, don't hold me too close to the Greek and the Hebrew pronunciations, okay? <laughs> Good. You and I went to the same classes then, didn't we? And the Greek is sunesis. I find that to be an interesting word, S-U-N-E-S-I-S. It's the ability to separate or distinguish. It's the extraction of meaning out of facts or information. Psalm 119, 130th verse says this to us. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. And then lastly, let's look at the Greek and Hebrew for our word wisdom. The Hebrew word is chokma, C-H-O-K-M-A-H. Brett, do you want to take a stab at wisdom in the Greek? Uh, Sophia. You got it. Good. You win. This is the ability to act based on, on, on an understanding gained from an acquired knowledge. Knowing what to do next on the understanding of the fact. That was well done. How do we know this knowledge, understanding, and wisdom that we gain in the Scriptures, how do we know it's true? Any idea? At this point, I say to you today that something from God's Word is true simply because it's found in the Bible. Okay, I think we can all agree with that. I mean, we could say that, and for those of us who attempt to live in faith, it could be considered true. But that's not the strongest argument to be made here for it, all right? My belief and my assessment here is that what is found in the Bible has been put in the Bible because it is true. Do you think there'd be something put in the Bible that was false? And it was put in there, but you know, maybe they won't see that. You know? I mean, think about that for a second. Now, we could go off on a tangent here, and I think I will for a second. If you look at some of the translations that are around today, then yeah, I would say so. I'd say there's, there's some false things that are, are written in some of the latter translations that are around in this day and time. seems that there's uh, always an agenda nowadays. I, I don't really know. Uh, well, I do know why. But uh, that, that, in my opinion, is, is, is the fact. Words written in the Bible bear witness to a truth that transcends the written word. And God is that word written in the words of the Bible. Do you think God is going to give anything to us that is false? Can I hear a collective no? No. Just trying to keep you awake. Proverbs 2, 2-5 through 5 says this, Making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, 
then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. You might want to go back and underscore Proverbs 2, 5, uh, 5 and 6. 2 through 5, rather. I'm sorry. How do we as humans recognize a transcendent or basically beyond the normal range of experience truth? The learned theologian John Calvin offers an explanation. The many preeminent gifts with which the human mind is endowed proclaim that something divine has been engraved upon it. And all these are testimonies of an immortal essence. Let's look at this a little bit more in English here, okay? To put it another way, quite simply, if we know what we know to be true, its truth should resonate within our very beings. In other words, if we're going to believe it is true, we better believe it is true. It's said of Jesus that those whom he knew, who whom he calls, know his voice. Something within us just knows. Look at John chapter 10 for verification to that one. How do we prove Scripture? With Scripture, okay? The sheep hear His voice and He calls us by name. He leads us deep within the human soul, asleep until awakened through the power of God's Word, waiting to be reanimated by the Holy Spirit. There is an implanted memory of our Creator. And it has been since our birth. It is written, you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you, as we see in John 14, verse 17. Let's look further, verses 22 through 31 of our reading today. Here God says wisdom is primary and fundamental. Wisdom reveals herself as preceding all of creation, stamped upon it all, one with God, yet in some way distinguishable from him as the object of his love. The foundation on which all life is built. Psalmist tells us in 104, uh, 24 of the psalm, O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you've made them all. Proverbs chapter 3 we find, The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding he established the heavens. By his knowledge the deeps broke open and clouds dropped down the dew. Proverbs 3, 19 and 20. And also in Jeremiah, we find he has made the earth by his power. He has established the world by his wisdom. I've got to stand up a second. And has stretched out the heavens at his discretion. Jeremiah 10, verse 12. Wisdom was before the foundation of the world. And in wisdom, God created every last bit of it. Verse 22. As wisdom talks, it starts to sound like Jesus, doesn't it? And by the time the chapter is over, you know for sure that it's Jesus that's talking. And that's not just a coincidence, folks. The Bible tells us that wisdom isn't a concept. It is a person. Christ is wisdom, and wisdom is Christ. When we picture Christ, we we sometimes mistakenly picture Him as the Son of God who started working after He was born on earth. And for a lot of people, I would imagine if the truth be made known, that, that's what they think, okay? But listen to what verse 22 says again. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of His work, before His works of old. Verse 23 says, 
Ages ago, I was set up at the first from the beginning of the earth. Look at verse 27. When he established the heavens, I was there. Christ existed before the world began. We confess this truth that when we say, when we say that, when we believe in Christ, who was the only begotten Son of God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit existed together before the world came into existence. There were three separate persons, but one God, closely united together before the world was ever made. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you understand that? Can you understand everything what I just said about the, the Trinity? Yeah, there, there were debates for over a hundred years concerning the, the relationship between father and son. And some of it didn't go very, very well. But think about this. God was begotten, or God the Son was begotten by God the Father before the creation of the world. Is that something you can fully understand? Have you ever thought about, just, just sat one day because you had nothing else to do, and thought about eternity? Not, not so much where it goes from here, okay? But where it went before. It's mind-blowing, okay? Our small human minds have a difficult under, time understanding stuff like that. What if I were to tell you next week at, at, at Hill City, instead of Miles coming up and doing another great job with our children... For our children's sermon time, we're going to have a rocket scientist come in. And that rocket scientist is going to explain to our children the complexity of the space program. He's going to fill the wall with mathematical equations. He's going to draw diagrams of engine parts. He's going to explain how rocket fuel works. He's going to explain the bigger part of this, how it's all funded by our government. (laughs) That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Do you think our children, much less any of the parents or other adults, will understand that rocket scientist? I would say no. Just guessing here. Those things would be beyond our understanding. And probably uh, the, the kids' understanding, they may understand it better than we do. Who knows? But completely understanding Christ is even more complex. How do you explain that close bond, that unity between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? There there are times in the Bible when you just have to take a step back after you read and say, this is beyond me. I just have to believe it without trying to understand it. Folks, that's faith, isn't it? Isn't that the definition of faith? Sure it is. When the Bible says... That Jesus was brought forth or begotten by the Father from eternity. Don't try to understand it. Just stand in awe of Jesus Christ and believe and worship Him for who He is. Maybe that's the overall lesson from Proverbs 8, 12 through 36 today. So let me summarize very quickly from this passage concerning wisdom. Wisdom is available to us always. Every nook and cranny according to our text. There is no waiting for an application to be approved to get it. Wisdom's advice 
as we have seen with Solomon's writing, is practical. It's usable, helpful, meaningful, and trustworthy. <clears throat> when you get a chance, look at 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, and you'll see what wisdom looks like. We meet God's wisdom in our reading of every aspect of the, of the, of the Scriptures. Whenever we take the time to read and listen to what the Spirit of God is speaking to us in the words of Scripture, we hear wisdom speaking. Wisdom speaks through the Scriptures, the hymns, the prayers, the sermons that we have. It began before the world was created and is deeper than the deepest ocean. Wisdom has pure motives. It has our best interests at heart. Wisdom worshiped God from the beginning of time. And its greatest delight is to deepen our relationship with God. Wisdom longs to help us to live into the goodness for which we are created. Consider some of the results of wisdom. It's been a a consultant to kings, princes, and other rulers. Wisdom has helped kings to govern and rulers to make fair laws. Princes have used wisdom to lead, and so do all important people who judge fairly. Those who have listened and followed wisdom in the past give high recommendations, calling its direction more valuable than gold or jewels. Those who have followed wisdom have found wonderful peace and joy. Wisdom says, build your house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Why? Because it had its foundation on the rock. Wisdom says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom says in Romans chapter 10, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what's going to happen? You will Be saved. Wisdom pleads with us. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Wisdom says, Come to Jesus. Come unto me, all you that are weary and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Yourself. Surely, surely you and I should listen to God's voice and seek His wisdom always. We should listen as if our lives were dependent upon the words that are spoken because they are. They are the words of life, they are God's words. Should we not listen to Him then? Let us all be wise and not refuse this instruction. Blessed are those who hear God's voice and wait on Him with daily reading, meditation, and prayer. Three other big things that are very, very important in the life of every Christian. The children of this world have so much time for useless entertainment. Can we not find time to listen to our Father? Please let us know, not show contempt for God's instructions by turning a deaf ear to Him. Christ 
is our wisdom. He is life to all believers. We cannot obtain God's favor unless we find Christ and listen to Him. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life. And I listen to this very, very closely. And they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone ever snatch them out of my hand. John 10, 27 and 28. That's another passage worth marking in your Bible, okay? You need to have that to build your confidence each and every day that you go out into this world. My question, two of them for you this morning as we close, is do you hear His voice? And second, are you following Him? Let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank You for the wisdom that You have given us. And and over and over again, we've been seeing this in the book of Proverbs. And we thank You so much, Lord. You know that we are a slow people. Uh, As a friend of mine once said, my, my, my memory is good, good and short. And I think for each one of us, it's the same way. It's why we need the Lord's Supper so often. It is why we need to read, to meditate, and to pray upon your word. Because that is your wisdom given to us. It's a free gift. Help us. There are some out there in the world, Lord, that are obstinate. There are some that are slow. There are some that just refuse to absolutely listen to your word. I don't understand that, and yet, I know it's Satan. I know it's his thing. And I know he just relishes each and every person who comes to him rather than coming to that wisdom, that Jesus. But that shouldn't keep us from trying. That should not stop us from wanting to shout from the rooftops of the love that you have for us, given to us through your son, Jesus. So bless us. Now we ask you and fill us with your wisdom, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.